Welcome to Barbell Buddha Rediscovered. This is episode 89, and it's called Coming Full Circle. I have no idea what we're about to get into, but I can tell you how we're going to get into it. It's Friday. I got my red light. It's a little late. It's almost midnight. I, the only thing I know about this episode is that Chris has vodka and grapefruit juice poured up, and he's ready to do it. So it's a Friday. I had some friends over. My buddy Mike Schwartz, who I mentioned, I believe, on the last show, and my buddy Nate Baumgartner. They came over. We did a little Flow and Vice Friday. Yes, that's right. Flow and Vice Friday. And so now that they're gone, I am continuing Vice Friday with the boy here, with Buddy Chris. What do I have? Okay, well, here's what I have. Here's what I have. I have... The volcano bag, fully inflated and ready to go. I have two personal size bags of the kettle chips. I got I couldn't choose between sea salt and vinegar and barbecue, so I got them both. And I have some Welch's. What else do I got here? I got some Welch's fruit snacks. All right, here here's what really happened. I just got out too late to get the snacks. I wanted ice cream. I wanted to get some gelati celeste from here. So they were closed. I go down to the Hermitage Grocery in my neighborhood. They're closed. So the best I could do was some kettle chips and some Welch's fruit chews, fruit snacks, as well as the bag. I hope that's going to be good enough. I'm taking this episode like I'm about to listen to a story, like a, like a movie story. I'm going to listen to Chris do his thing, and just like I would get some snacks if I was going to go watch a movie, I got snacks to listen to Chris. So I will come in if it's appropriate, if I feel inspired. I may let Chris do his entire episode before I talk again. I don't know. That's what's going to make the show so much fun. Let's get started. I did not become someone different that I did not want to be. But I'm new here. Will you show me around? No matter how far wrong you've gone, you can always turn around. Met a woman in a bar Told I was hard to get to know And nearby impossible to forget Said I had an eagle on me <laughs> the size of Texas Well, I'm new here And I forget Does that mean big or small? No matter how far wrong you've gone, you can always turn around. That's something a little different to start this week's show. Gil Scott Heron, the tune, and the album, I might add, are entitled I'm New Here. Now, why is that so awesome? Because Gil needs, like, no introduction, man. That dude has an incredible story from like the late 60s on a huge powerful voice in the african-american community in the united states lots to say if you've ever heard the the 
poem slash tune, I guess. Uh, the revolution will not be televised. Does that ring a bell? If not, YouTube it, and you'll see just what this guy, giant brass balls put on the line in the name of what needed to be said in a time when, thank God, somebody stood up and said it. So what better way to start the show with Gil? I'm also holding here his memoir that recently came out. It's the first book in a stack of books I need to read this month. <clears throat> Why not start there? This book, The Last Holiday, a memoir by the great Gil Scott Heron. Fantastic. Why not just read you... This is just from the prologue, dude. The prologue intro of this book was enough to sell me on. I'm like, well, halfway through now, it's, it's splendid. But check this out. We all need to see folks reach beyond what looks possible and make it happen. We need more examples of how to make it happen. We all face difficult circumstances along the way that will challenge our self-confidence and try to disrupt our decisions about the directions we choose, we wish to choose. I hope this book will remind you that you can succeed, that help can arrive from unexpected quarters at times that are crucial, I believe in the spirits. Sometimes when I explain to people that I've been blessed and that the spirits have watched over me and God in my life, I suppose I sound like some kind of quasi-evangelist for a new religion. I am not and do not have a personal church to promote. I believe, however, to paraphrase Duke Ellington, well, anytime somebody's going to paraphrase Duke Ellington, you should just like shut up and listen, right? Uh, that, quote, at almost every corner of my life, there's been someone or something there to show me the way. These landmarks, these signals, are provided by the spirits. This is not a subject I offer up for the purpose of debate. Whatever you call the intangible influences that help direct you and your life is not the point. My contention is that your blessings derive from your positive contributions. but They must come from the heart, not because of what you expect in return. Otherwise, what you contributed was a loan and not a gift. That is just the fucking introduction of that book. It's fantastic. I also have here, we're coming back to Gil, by the way. He's like the whole point I'm doing a show this week. <laughs> this book, the second book, the book that kind of had my mind a little on the fence today because one section was really intense, but this is uh, Lies My Teacher Told Me. Uh, fantastic. Everything Your American History Textbook Got Wrong by James Lowen. Uh, this is a revised and updated edition. Let me say, along with uh, People's History of the United States, uh, this book will kind of melt your brain, be prepared, add it to your Amazon wish list for sure. But, uh, if you, if you haven't already realized just how much you didn't learn, uh, in high school or grade school in the United States, this book will kind of show you, <laughs> it's not what they do teach you. That's bad enough, but what they leave out is problematic. The next book I have here <clears throat> is what I'm looking forward to. This comes after I finish Gil's book. And then The Lies My Teacher Told Me book, which hopefully I can knock out soon. Uh, this next book on my list, Satchel, The Life and Times of an American Legend. Of course, this book is in reference to the great Satchel Paige, who's a character I've picked up uh, interest in after several years now of digging Greg Proops' stuff and, he, and his podcast, The Smartest Man in the World. My favorite podcast, actually. He's a big fan of Satchel Paige, and why wouldn't you be? Uh, if you haven't heard of Satchel, Satchel, this is the best way of saying how incredible he was athletically. Uh, he was a Negro League baseball player. I guess, uh, let's see here. When was his first season? 20s or so? Maybe 30s? I'm not big on baseball statistics and all that, but it's pretty impressive to note that most people, when you would ask them, hey, man, hey, <laughs> who is like the oldest baseball player you can think of? Who like pitched or batted for the longest period? Some people who know the sport might say people like uh, Nolan Ron, right? He pitched for like 27 years or something at a very high level, like in major leagues, which seems insane until you realize... And check your 
sports almanacs to realize that Satchel Paige played at the highest levels of baseball, professional, both in the Negro Leagues and whatever during that time corresponded to Major League Baseball. You know, this was a rough ride. But for something like 40 years, it's like since his late teens, early 20s, until he was, I think, in his 60s, almost 60, he fucking threw like 90-mile-an-hour fastballs and could strike out fucking almost everybody. Like uh, Most people would kind of refer to him as the greatest athlete ever. And that's because of his, his fantastic ability with his body. But, man, I think what most interests me about this dude is his swagger. I know that's a term that's used quite often nowadays. <laughs> Uh, overused, but consider this: like during the Great Depression era in the United States, during a time where uh, being an African American gentleman was not like the easiest thing in the world to do, much less be in a public spotlight, be a you know a, a hot athlete in a contentious sport where sort of races are pitted against each other. But here's a dude who was making like five thousand bucks a week. He was so good at baseball during the Great Depression, uh, as people would kind of describe of him. Never told a story where he included all the truth. You know, very elaborate, very over the top, an incredible character, and probably worth reading up on. Even if you just go check out his Wikipedia page, I recommend you do it. It's always interesting, especially if you're an athlete, if you're in a coach, or you know, whatever your space might be in health and fitness, even if you just like to exercise. It's amazing to see case studies and athletes who are just above and beyond incredible in every way. Satchel's one of them. Next book here, I've been meaning to read this for a while. I haven't got to it. Abundance, The Future is Better Than You Think. Peter Diamandis, Stephen Kotler. Stephen Kotler wrote the the Rise of Superman, which is a good book. Fantastic. He's here with Peter. Peter is like, a, how do you say, one of the smartest dudes in the world. Uh, this book is all about the future and where we're going. Uh, it's too much to get into now. I'll need a whole podcast uh, and some pharmaceutical help to expand my mind to get deep into these weeds. Uh, and then again, I haven't read it too much. All I know is not quite a bonus mindset. This is more like where is technology going? Where is health and medicine and what is our future between now and let's say 2020 or 2029. I forget when the singularity point is, but again, uh, type in a singularity is near in your Google <laughs> search bar. And then there's another thing that'll warp your brain. That's coming. Uh, here's where we get to some of the points. The last book I'm reading, I've got two. I've kind of finished this one. I've got to start Henry Miller's Black Spring because so many people have said so much about it for so long. I think this is a novel, which is not quite my thing. I've got another book here from him, Henry Miller on writing. Uh, edited piece. This one's interesting because Henry's got one of the best quotes I've heard uh, and go back to whenever I feel in creative slumps or whenever I need a little kick in the ass. He's got this great quote and I'll read it for you. It's in the commandments here, back here. I'm going to reference that in a second, right? But uh, He's got this quote, when you can not create, this is paraphrasing, even at times you can't create something new or meaningful or exciting or inspired, whatever, you can still work. There is a rhythm to, to your activities and your creative pursuits that is way more actually more powerful and beneficial to everybody, including you. Uh, and it, outside of the realm of some big, big magical one-off insight. When you can't create, you know, progress is not necessarily something that is measured when you, something new happens or a new achievement and a project is scratched off the list. It's also an introspective thing, a thing that happens when you get, uh, not necessarily doing different things or new things, but doing the same things, or the most important thing of all the things you usually do, better with a more intense, clear, focused rhythm. That's when uh, a drum beat picks up. I, I started talking a little bit about that last week, I think. So in some parts, this is like a, or in some respect, it's like a part two maybe of last week's podcast where I came off the bench <laughs> after a while, I'm not talking to you. Uh, but this this book on writing is actually cool because in this book by Henry Miller, good author, there's a section called the author at work. 
I've come back to this several times during my, I wouldn't call it a writing career. I would say um, the early years when I made myself learn how to, to write in a less terrible way. <laughs> Hard repetition, man. Fuck. Uh, sometimes I think I'm just a writer because like I've somehow just like lifting heavy weights. I, I, I crave and appreciate uh, the masochistic, painful elements of it. Like uh, having to write is terrible and torturous. But having written, you know, to start with a blank page and to see world's words pile up by the end of the day, that's a very satisfying thing. That's why I stay at. But here is Henry Miller's, just as a side note, his commandments for work. And anybody who's interested in productivity and how to do things better, this is of interest. So commandment number one, work on one thing at a time until finished. This is like one of the greatest commandments for anybody. Until you've got the thing that's most important to you finished and nailed and crossed off and done to the best of your ability, you don't need to get your your nose stuck into other things. That's the most foolish thing you can do. And it's probably why a lot of people don't quite get as high as far as they thought maybe they would at the end of the day, you know, it's because they lose focus. I'm pausing while I take a a sip out of my red grapefruit and vodka drink. Hold on. Ah. Do an experimental phase. We're off the tequila for a while. We'll see what that does. (laughs) Uh, commandment number two, start no more new books. Add no more new material to Black Spring, which is that book I referenced right there. Kind of goes back into efficiency. Uh, sometimes the last thing you need to do to be better or more effective or to get further is to add new shit to the mix. Uh, commandment number three, don't be nervous. Work calmly, joyously, recklessly on whatever is in hand. That is great advice. And it's also really hard advice to follow. Because like most people, uh, I know I can at least say that I'm guilty of Piling on pressure on myself unnecessarily. Uh, does that ring a bell? Does anybody else do that? When you like get something done and everybody says good job and you somehow like don't believe it, you're like man, fuck. Like I know I, some inner scorn schoolboy within you just won't accept the praise. But it's true. Like if you're gonna work and do something well, uh, you have to give yourself permission to have fun. Because Bill Murray said this too. Like uh, yes, Bill fucking Murray. Don't question my references of Bill Murray. If you even thought that, get out. <laughs> Bill Murray always said that you're going to do your best in anything when you give yourself permission to be excited. And that jives actually with psychological research. If you look at like any kind of studies where the, I think the most famous one I can recall, not fully because I don't know the author and whatnot. Don't push me on that. I'm just pulling this up from memory. But uh, like if you do a, a test on people before they give up and do like a speech, like public speaking, the classic anxiety provoking situation. Uh, if you remind them before they go up of the pressure and what they need to achieve, they won't do quite as well as if you tell them up front, hey, give yourself permission to have fun and be excited that this is a cool chance just to talk to people. Like anytime you just give yourself that permission, you do much better. Try it next time during your workout or your, your promotion interview or uh, when you're ordering a hamburger. <laughs> just try that. See how much better you can execute anything if you just say, I'm just going to smile and have fun with this. It works. I swear to God. And here's the famous one, number five. Um, no, four. I'm skipping around. Work according to program, not according to mood. Stop at the appointed time. Last week, we got a little bit into ritual. We've been talking about rituals and habits for all on Barbell Shrug too, just because it's so fucking important. Um, you don't really want to do anything when you feel like it, including working out or riding or mowing the lawn, what have you, because the way you feel, surprise, surprise, is not always the most accurate representation of reality. <laughs> <laughs> if that if you're like no really then i need to point you in the direction of reality and tell you to pay attention more often but no uh you got to have a schedule and a routine because that drives everything i mean now i'm thinking more and more like even with training 
if somebody asked me like my what's my best advice for helping them get stronger, I would say, before you think of anything specific, show me just your daily routine. Because like if it doesn't include time for um, mindfulness and time for preparation or review of what you want to get done in the gym, if I don't see a certain amount of effort and detail around food prep and sleep patterns every day, then there's no point in talking about training because you'll never get anything out of the training. Well, at least not as much as you could. Number five, when you can't create, you can work. That is the classic quote. Uh, like I said, you don't always need fucking magic to happen in everything you do. You just need to keep the rhythm. Like, um, it's not always a matter of doing something new. It's a matter of like not taking steps back. You know, sometimes you go into the gym and you don't feel like you have it all in you to do like an awesome workout. Um, one helpful thing is if you just show up, not looking to crush the wad, not looking to take home the championship two gold star prize for best wad performance that day. If you just have the attitude where I show up, I keep my rhythm, and today I don't get any weaker. That's that's liberating. That saves up some of the juice for days you feel better. Same thing goes for work or anything. Number six, cement a little every day rather than add new fertilizers. I guess you could interpret this several different ways, but um, this kind of jives. I kind of smile because, yeah, Henry Miller agrees with me, or more likely I agree with him, but this is kind of like what I talked about last week where – um, sometimes you don't need to go out looking for much of anything. What needs to happen more to help you be more productive, and, uh, financially satisfied with whatever you're doing, more creatively satisfied, whatever. Cementing your rhythm, um, strengthening what you do, refining what you do is way more important than trying to mix in some new element to spice things up. Uh, number seven, keep human. <coughs> That's a funny one. See people, go places. Drink if you feel like it. That's interesting because um, what's interesting about people who are pursuing like writing uh, full stop like Henry was, like I have done occasionally, <laughs> is that if you spend like three to four hours every night staring at a, uh, a, a blinking cursor <laughs> and then trying to pile up the words or whatever, if you're ever really, really in the weeds studying for something, trying to, you know, to push your abilities to the next level whatever it is you're really pushing right um, if you don't like take time for rejuvenation if you don't take time for having fun if you don't pull it back in the other direction and like mike bledsoe my brother in arms and shrug says like if you don't try to push for an extreme balance in those situations where you might be working super hard and really trying for exciting things but also recovering and playing really hard if you don't have that balance to keep human you're pretty much fucked Number eight, don't be a drought horse. Work with pleasure only. That's a bit repetitive, Henry. Not to be a dick, but it's a bit repetitive. You already said that. I guess this must be really important to you. <laughs> so you keep saying it. I'll take note. Number nine, discard the program when you feel like it, but go back to it the next day. Concentrate, narrow down, exclude. Again, when, uh, when you do keep a rhythm for a while, you might get kicked out of it. The best thing you can do is count your losses and don't make the situation worse. Just get back on the horse. That's the number one thing. Number 10, forget the books you want to write. Think only of the book you are writing. Present. Stay focused. And finally, the last of these commandments. Uh, write first and always. Painting, music, friends, cinema. All these things come afterwards. Why? Well, that's what um, Tim Ferriss would tell you. That's what we would now tell you. Anybody who wants to help you achieve more would tell you. Start with the most important pressing thing. And after you get up and brush your teeth, take a shower, meditate, perhaps poop, whatever your morning ritual is, uh, you got to fucking get in the zone and hit the most important thing, the most 
intimidating thing, the hardest thing, whatever it is. You, know, you kind of go right into the teeth of it. Or else, what are you going to do when, uh, when life punches back at you? If you're not in the habit of being the aggressor, of playing offense, of going after you want every day, I don't know how you can expect to get what you want out of a world that doesn't appear to give a shit about that. <laughs> so you got to wake up and bring it. That's all I'll say about that. So there's the intro. God, there's the intro coming in hot, buddy. Okay. Uh, man, there's so much to cover, so much to talk about. But, uh, okay, here's what I'll do. Instead of recapping what he just said, I will tell you why it's important to me right now. So, uh, in the last you know couple of weeks, we've been really refocusing in, with serious fun like, what is it that we're doing and what can we do really well? So the first thing he said was, you know, if you're going to do this, do one thing really well. We're really trying to figure out what that is. We know what it is, but we're, we're refining it. And the creative project that I'm taking on, ooh, dear, oh, listeners, oh, friends. See, that's what this show is about. This show is about getting the backstage pass. Chris was always giving it to us, so I'm going to give it to you. I, let's get real, man. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about my dad. When I was a younger, younger guy, uh, I, I, I didn't fit the good Catholic boy mold necessarily. I was drawn to being my own person. But even still, even though I might have been stubborn, hard-headed, did things my way, Subconsciously, I was still trying to fit in and create products, services that could fit in with a more, say, square community. And although my dad had his own, uh, he had a he had a very deep sense of spirituality, religious beliefs aside, he was very deeply spiritual. But in a way, he you know was a bit of. He, he fit the square community. He, he needed to fit in, or he chose to fit in that way. And I just, I just never did that. Um, and so when he passed away, this sense that I had that I needed to make things that appealed or that were acceptable to that side of society has caused me to tamp down parts of my personality uh, in an effort to become more appeasable or more appealing to someone who may want to make a sales transaction for me. So if I'm as a coach, uh, my fear was that I would be too much. My personality would be too much to be liked enough to experience a sales transaction. I, I might be too weird. And even though I've heard Chris talk about like going on the other side of this and going in and like tattooing his hands is, you know, I, I thought I understood what that means until my father passed and that need or desire to filter my thoughts, my speech, uh, all of these things in an effort to tamp myself down to uh, make other people feel comfortable has died along with it. And so what I'm going to do this year, 2023, is um, I'm going to start in my own way, saying the quiet parts of life out loud. Chris did it, and he had his way, which was this show of doing it. 
I realized that I have found and discovered my own desired thing to say. The experience that I've been having with <clears throat> with, this, with 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 you guys has been a tribute. I don't want to say too much. I want Chris to do the saying. That's why we're here. But now I know what I'm going to say and how I'm going to say it. And it's extremely exciting. And so I will be releasing my own show. I will have other people on the show with me. But the it is going to, I'm going to say what I want to say, how I want to say it. And this message and these tips do one thing really well. Start no more new material. This is the only thing that I want to be working on. It says, don't be nervous. Work calmly, joyously, recklessly. Ooh, the recklessly part, I promise I will do. <laughs> calmly, maybe not so much. Joyously, yes, but definitely recklessly. Work according to the program, not according to the mood. Stop at the appointed time. Yes, boundaries. Boundaries around your time are important, people. Keep them. When you don't create, when you can't create, you can work. Boy, oh boy, is that is that accurate, especially if you uh, do work like this, blogging, podcasting. There's always emails to structure and send out from old material. There's always blogs that can get adjusted and added new links. There's always mechanical work that doesn't require a lot of creativity to be done when you do this kind of work. So, yes, when you can't create, work. I'll, I'll take it to heart. Cement a little every day rather than add new fertilizers. I told myself this year, uh, in 2022, last year, that I only wanted to do one thing, and I'm even more committed to it now. Next one was keep human. I mean, that's kind of like, that's kind of, listen, if you want to know one thing about me, like, that's my whole thing, human. That's why I'm, that's why I'm teaching people to play and doing all the crawling and animal movement, like, being a better human. That's why I'm doing all the grappling. That's why I'm doing the personal development. That's why I'm doing this damn podcast is because it provides me an outlet to be human and to celebrate the human in Chris. He he uh, he is a humanist at heart. I, I imagine he would be a, a uh, anti-trans humanist, which are, you know, I don't know. I don't think Chris would have been into the, you know, getting a bionic everything and, you know, getting the chips in your brain but i don't know i guess i I can't speak for him next one is don't be a drought horse work with pleasure i'll do my best discard the program when you feel like it go back to it the next day yeah i do that with my training a lot i have a 45 minute routine that i hit every that i have available as a template every day that way i can keep my human skills and then every now and again i like to go off go off the script go do something crazy me and my buddy dave ran a 10k trail today no big deal he said he was mad at me because it seemed seemed so easy for me. That's what happens when you train well and you eat well and you sleep well. And you follow all of Chris's advice, too, on the training side. He said uh, if you, you train the right way, you can just go bust out a trail 10K on a night 10K jammer with your buddy on a Friday. It's pretty awesome. Forget the books you want to write. Think only of the book you are writing. Speaking of books, I'm going to write a fucking book this year. How about that? I may not publish the book this year, but I am going to write enough material that could be if I desire to be put in a book. And I might. We'll see. It says write first and always or do the most important thing first. These are phenomenal tips delivered right on time as I'm starting the new, serious, fun podcast. Exciting. All right, that's my share.
Let's get back to Chris. Oh, quick update, actually, on the snacks. We're we're one the the barbecue chips are gone. They're 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 out. Uh, I'm about uh, I'm about a third of the way through the the Welch's fruit snacks, which is great. And I've had just a wee bit of the salt and vinegar potato chips. So the snacks are still rolling. Chris has got more to share, and I'll see you on the other side. We better get the show started. Uh, yeah. So Henry kind of reminded me of. Even at times, there's no magic. There is a cause. Um, there is a rhythm. There's a there's something to work towards, right? You can have that even in moments when you're not inspired. But the interesting thing is, I come back to Gil, Mr. Scott Heron, to to explain more of the why, the why behind what you do. That's something I'm taking a look at because I plan on doing all kinds of new things. I mean, I didn't come out to California, sit on my ass, and drink margaritas and go to the beach and get splashed by waves and try to like tacos. Or maybe I did. I don't know. But I also came here, you know, to do cool shit, to make things, to, to find new things to say and hopefully have the courage to say them in a big, loud way, in the best way I can because that's all anybody can hope to do with their life, right? Uh, so I'll start here. Uh, the other evening, I'll start here again, keep the show moving. The other evening I was um, kicking around YouTube, doing something I recommend everybody do, and that is... Look, you can learn shit from books, and you can learn things from documentaries, but also YouTube's pretty hard to beat, man. You got to go YouTube sort of thing when you feel a little bored or make a habit of it every day. What I do is I usually will, if I'm reading a book or I somebody, some character from a movie, a documentary, whatever, hits my consciousness and sort of sticks, I like to fuck around on YouTube to find out you know, what shows were they on, uh, if they're a band, what sort of musical performances have they done, are they, are they as good as they are in the album. If there's somebody like Gil, I might look up as I read their memoir, recent interviews and whatnot, just to find these little pearls and nuggets that you can find in abundance on YouTube. And even if you just start with a name you know, if you kind of do the recommended video thing, you click, 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 spend an hour kind of searching around for things you might like, you end up finding amazing stuff. And it's free. And it's awesome. And it, it makes you feel spoiled to be in 2015 where you can pull out a phone and be able to pull up, you know, essentially a a radical, awesome, inspirational voice from the 70s, you know, right before you, you just play them whenever you want. But in this interview, uh, actually I have to laugh because the YouTube channel is called Blackademics. Uh, I dig it. Hey, man, more power to you. Keep on doing it. This interview is from like 2010. Um, and Gil's like backstage at a gig. He's like eating a meal, very low key, just a hat. He just done some spoken word and some poetry stuff and some jazzy stuff, you know, nothing too fancy. Gil's like in his 60s now, whatever. So he's he's keeping it low, keeping it chill. But this guy asked him, hey, Gil, you are basically the godfather of hip-hop, which is true. I mean, I don't think before Gil, I don't think too many people who were black got up on records and said things like, here's what I think is wrong with America. And that sort of is the root for all the commentary that came out of classical hip-hop and you know, like the, the Northeast United States and the centers where it sort of blossomed like in the 80s and whatnot, I guess 80, 80, 81, 82, 83, 84, and that span, uh, old school jams. <laughs> they all sort of reflect uh, the social and political issues striking the neighborhoods where, where hip-hop came out of, right? But the problem is, he's asking this question, what is your best advice? You're the godfather of rap. What's your advice to it today? Like you're, this is your godson before you. What would you say as obviously a wise guy, as somebody who can maybe fix it? The implication is that obviously there's something wrong with it because, <laughs> you know, I mean, not to be a dick to Little Wayne. Little Wayne's just fine. But 
I don't want to. I feel uncomfortable calling that real hip hop because I know what I listened to growing up, and I, I've heard the power of raw, uh, from the gutter, screaming poetry. Because I mean, it's, it's similar to what you would find in blues music, whatever. It's just a raw capturing of what's happening on the streets. It's an echoing of what people are dealing with, right? His advice was fascinating because he didn't come out and say, God damn it, little Wayne, you need to fucking take that shit off your teeth and pull up your pants and quit drinking so much fucking cough syrup. He didn't say anything like that. None of that obvious shit. What he did was actually tell this awesome story of um, his youngest daughter asking about his mother, so asking about her grandmother, uh, who just passed, I guess. Uh, and Gil describes really what's one of the most important things you can do as just a person. <laughs> Living one of the most powerful, meaningful, viable things you can do to a young for a young person, especially your children, is just to connect them with where you came from, where they obviously come from, the ideas you picked up, things that influenced you and shaped your life, that gave you an ability to take root in this world and survive. For some, that's harder than others. Those ideas, you could carry them to the grave with you, which is less than ideal. You could perform them, you could write about them, you could put them in your music. And you can do the simplest thing, which is to share them with the people closest to you. So he tells a story how it was very important to him to connect him with his mother and his, his grandmother, the child's great-grandmother. And that when you did that, what you got was this, you connected the present with the past, this long chain that is really impossible to, to say how powerful it is. I mean, think of all the legacy, all the lineage. They oftentimes get cut because of circumstances that can't be controlled. But in this case, there's an opportunity to share, right? And his implication with this is that if you wanted to like make, in this case, hip-hop um, as strong as it once was, everything that it could be, all you need to do if you're a young artist is look back to the roots and reconnect with them. And if you can do that, then you get a whole new take on what the art form is. You, a new vision of it crystallizes and coupled with your experience and the things you've been through, you can recombine that into something special that will then recreate a connection to people who are coming up. It's like, you know, people who will discover music in this case will go on to discover you and then they'll link back to the people who came before, right? That's pretty hard. It's like to downplay how awesome that is. Like uh, from a biological perspective, it's all that matters. I mean, not to be a dick, but yeah, we're mammals and ultimately the prerogative is spread your DNA far and wide, keep the chain going. In this case, like the visceral chain to the point where life <laughs> comes into being uh, we would rather that chain not get broken because that means we're all gone, right? So reproduction still happens. If you're a, uh, a young parent of a human child, <laughs> you're still trying to wrap your head around just you know what it means um, to see that legacy continue. It's kind of a, a powerful thing, but that's that's really where Rob Misa wrote. In music, there's a biological angle. Obviously, you want to survive and see your kids go on because that's the whole point. But in music, the chain lasts, and that music is really a way... As Gil would tell you, music's a way of like capturing an idea. Like, why should you get so pissed when you hear shitty music on the radio? It's one thing that it's playing in the dentist's office, and you, you, you know, you're there, and you could be just listening to Stone Cold Silence with a slow Novocaine drip or, or laughing gas drip or whatever, and that would be weird enough. But I guess if you have like fucking Shake It Off or something playing, then you can tolerate that. Uh, <laughs> You can tolerate the bizarreness a little better. And who knows, like when you're getting your fucking gums scaled, you're not really thinking too deeply about where you're going with your life and whatnot anyway. And you don't need to hear soulful you know, tunes or provocative poetry and rap form necessarily in that moment. But for the most part, for the most part, 
The reason why pop music sucks is that it fails to crystallize around any meaningful idea. Like um, the things that punk kids felt pressured by in society and rallied against. The things that a young LL Cool J <laughs> in 1982 would respond to doing the only thing he could which was to capture everything he saw in the streets around his neighborhood and put it down in a rhyme and he could share it with the world in only that way that he could do it, like the shirt off and the beanie hat on everything. <laughs> but you know, a real music has power when it captures a real idea, it honors it and then it transmits it. You know, like when you hear a real fucking powerful song, it's capturing a real thing and it's serving it up to you and it creates a link between the emotion and the person singing it and you. I mean, you don't get that from fucking Katy Perry, even though she's very attractive and everything's fine. But still, you don't get it. I was thinking about Gil and that song, I'm New Here, and then the messages just in the first part of his book and his work. I was thinking about what I wrote about or talked about last week and how it sort of finished that point. And I got to thinking that I realized that uh, the show Barbell Shrugged, um, of course, this whole business that we're putting together behind it, but the show and what it has stood for and what has given us footing and what has echoed and resonated with people, I think there's like two things mostly, at least from my perspective. At least these are things that are important to me. Uh, one, we, we really believe a lot. We live by this. We bleed by this. We grind by this. That every day is an opportunity to learn something. Uh, I play for you all the time with these little clips and I talk about books and make references because I think it's really important to do that. But um, just as a side note, I think it's important to understand that there's no right starting point. Like um, people ask me all the time, Chris, you know, hey, man, uh, or they ask us at least, like, what's your top awesomest 10 books? Like, tell me where to start. Where should I go for information? Everybody feels an uphill battle uh, in front of them, especially when you're like 18 or you're 21, 22, 20, whatever. And hadn't quite been around the block to know that it'll all be okay if you just keep going. You're desperate to close the gap and accelerate the progress and all that, which, hell, no one could blame you. It's called being young. You want to rush shit from time to time, right? You want to rush, but ultimately that doesn't matter where you start. The most powerful thing is just starting and then keeping it up and keeping a daily rhythm. The reason why I called barbellshrug.com the daily when I launched that in October, that, that new form, that refresh, is that this is another way of, of signifying how important it is to start every day, not looking to do something earth-shattering, not looking to reinvent the wheel because this is not going to happen every day, not looking to reinvent the wheel, but you know, not every day is going to be um, high productivity, optimistic experience. Sometimes you'll be in the weeds a little bit in the lurch, and that's okay. I think um, returning to quotes like Henry's and returning to points of view like Gill's really helpful in those times because all you got to remember there's only two things that matter at least two things I would remind you one you make an effort to change in some way uh, to turn around and learn a thing to focus on a thing to to not rush through a thing you, you normally rush through any conscious attempt at doing something better at refining your rhythm is a win like um, that reminds me of John Bros's line from our episode uh, how you feel is a lie was it episode fuck Maybe like 171 or two or three, somewhere in there. But uh, the idea is that anytime you touch the barbell, as opposed to not go to the gym and not touch it, you won. The effort was there. Something that there was an experience. Anytime you have an experience, you change. You learn something. So I think that's number one. There are no optimal starting points. There's only where you could start right now. The first thing that interests you. And if you keep that up, no matter what it happens to be, 
it's amazing how all paths sort of in the end lead to something very interesting. Um, all it takes is starting. Uh, the only other option is not starting, talking about what you want, trying to force what you want instead of just doing what it takes to get what you want, and then sort of experiencing <laughs> the other kind of, of of experience rather, which is not making a whole lot of progress and feeling like you're head, hitting your head up against the wall of resistance every day. So you don't have to impose it on yourself. All you got to do is have the attitude, I want to learn, change, learn, adapt, ha- be better, have a better rhythm in one small way. And then the second thing I would say is that if I could like summarize <clears throat> what we've tried to do in like one short sentence with, that, with the podcast and what I try to do on this one, I think the only thing I'll ever really try to do is to make connections, you know. I want to reach into our experience, which between Doug and myself and and Mike and all everybody else on the show is pretty extensive and varied. <laughs> between us, there's a lot of bridges to build. And, of course, we have the advantage now of having all kinds of amazing friends who themselves have amazing, crazy, wide-ranging experiences in sport and coaching and life and business um so as i see it and this change this it gets a bit more like this every year too and i I feel like maybe at times there's less and less and less and less novel shit that i would like to say um or at least i'll go out and try to say and there's more work to be done with making new connections like um i think about what we like to do over the course next year two years and it's all got to do with the stories we know we can tell. So I know that I can reach out um, and get a hold of like some of my mentors, for example, and strength. And then we have the ability to share those insights in a way that our audience can really resonate with. So anytime you can share that kind of experience and things that have inspired you and helps you become who you are on any scale, the whole trick is connecting that, but passing it forward. Chris and those Barbell Shrug guys literally did that. Chris, with his show, built the chain that has me sitting in this chair. And it's also the chain that has me ready to create my own Barbell Shrugged of sorts. Not to be Barbell Shrugged or to even talk to the same audience in the same way, but to find the group and the cause and mission that will bring and ignite a part of me that I am willing to be in the pocket as like they were, to work as intensely and as purposefully as they did, and to learn from the mistakes. Let's just call them what it is. We haven't quite gotten there yet, but like the band's going to break up, and that's okay. We're all learning from it. That chain of events... And that chain of passing down the lessons, just like the artist that Chris has named in the show, like he had the message. He wasn't a pop. This isn't a pop podcast. He's here to deliver a message. And when I started sitting with him on purpose, I heard it loud and clear. I heard the message. You got to do it now. And that was the first layer. I took action. I built a gym. It didn't work. And that's okay. I took more action. The part that I got lost, I was missing a lot of the daily rhythm. I was so easily knocked off. Things wouldn't go my way. I would get frustrated. And then my effort would slip. 
But I kept going back to Chris, and he kept delivering the message. I'm so thankful for it because I know exactly what I'm going to do this year. I'm going to make that show. <laughs> and we have built the business behind it. You know, the guys did it in the other other direction because they didn't think anything. They weren't trying to build a business out of their podcast. And that's great. Uh, they They built it in a different way. And because we already have the business, and now that I have this insight on how I want to run the show and the things that I want to say to relate to you guys, and I hope some of you will join me, that would be great. That's what I'm going to do. And I am so, again, just like in awe and grateful that I sit down tonight not knowing what's going on, and here we are. Chris is giving me the advice that I need. <laughs> again. <laughs> Right on time, again. Uh, well, <laughs> I got that. I'm down two bags of chips. Okay, chips are out. I got just, mm, just a few more of these Welch's fruit snacks, and it looks like we got just a little bit more show. What I'm going to do is pass it back to Chris for the final time tonight. Say thank you. Thanks for hanging out with me. And uh, as always, Chris is going to do his thing and finish the show like only he can. Good night, everybody. That, that kind of brings me to like the. I'll make this point like super clear so I guess it carries. It's a point I really do believe in. All in all, I think at the end of the day, all we're trying to do is build better chains from past to. To future, that sounds a little woo-woo, but you can be encouraged and motivated by um, trying to get attention, you know, or trying to look smart, trying to be the strongest, trying to be the edgiest, trying to have the newest method and all that. But anytime, I'm going to say this as a person who will continue to make this mistake, and I'm going to say it as a person who recognizes that you're going to continue to make this mistake, but maybe if we're all aware, we can sort of uh, shortcut it a little bit. But anytime your effort your work, your rhythm is driven by an expectation for what you'll get out of it. So if you're writing a book because you want people to understand how well you write, which is a thing. <laughs> if you're working out because you want people to think how sexy and cool you are and how good you are at pull-ups and how strong you are at jerks. Um, any situations. The problem is when you pursue your life like that, anytime somebody has an edge on you, anytime you do have a day that's not quite as good, anytime you do have a real frustrating point you're going to feel the opposite of what you're going for you're going to feel like the weakest less intelligent slowest person in the room and that's all something that's imposed when you kind of have the wrong motivation so if there is a closing point of this one part two part thing you know sharing experience and why you should do that and why it's important i would say um, you have to work hard daily to find inspiring points whether it be youtube or a book or whatever <clears throat> but also uh you have to focus 100 percent on the ideas that have inspired you and have shaped your life and you have to think how can i best package those ideas and then share them with people that i'd like to to help in some way if you do that man fuck everything else will have a tendency to fall into place it has worked before what can i say uh with that that's all i got man 33 minutes is enough i'll see you next week Peace, love, namaste, cheers, and all that. And until then, I'll play you out with uh, the second half of Gil's song. Play me out, Gil. Peace.
And I'm sitting in places like a snake. It may be crazy. But I'm the closest thing I have to voice reason. Turn around, turn around, turn around. You may come full circle. Come full circle, be new here.